You're listening to On Conflict with Julia Menard and Gordon White. Big ideas and big feelings. Let's go make the world a better place. And now, your hosts. Hello, my name is Julia Menard. And mine is Gordon White. And welcome to our RiffCast on our episode with Mark Curzon, episode 18. And this is the On Conflict RiffCast, not to be confused with other RiffCasts that might exist out there in the universe. Do you think there are other RiffCasts that exist? Haven't heard any, but you never know. Never know. We coined the term. I thought it was you. Well, I did, but I was being generous. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah, that made me feel good. Good. Okay. So do you want to just quickly explain what the RiffCast is? No, I don't think we have to. Really? Yeah, I think everyone's heard about it by now. Wow. We, we have a conversation about the guests we interviewed the week before, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Wait, in, a, in a jazzy way. We'll see. Ooh, here we go. All right. So we both really enjoyed our conversation with Mark Gerzon, and here are a couple of thoughts that have been percolating for us. One is Mark spoke about work as individuals and as a collective, that our work is to widen identities. I want to back it up. His talk about identity was a result of us asking, what's the greatest challenge facing humanity, right? Yes. And he said it was an identity challenge, right? Yes. Yeah. That's good. That puts our conversation in a context. It does. Yeah. yeah. And the a lot of what he's doing when he's working is helping, helping groups of people or individuals move from a particular identity to an enlarged identity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, to an, a larger sense of self. A larger sense of self. Self, yeah. So, yeah, and, and uh, one of the things that struck me uh, while he was speaking about that expansion of a sense of identity is I quickly was thinking about recent work that I've been involved in. One is with an Indigenous community, and I was realizing that this particular community has been working on moving segmented, their identities from being segmented or siloed to one common mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. And it was just great. I just saw an insight there. And I, and I also thought about two teams I've been working with in the last week. Mm-hmm. And one team had one or two individuals who, who haven't felt like they've been part of the team. So part of the work I now can see more easily is about forming a common vision or a common identity as a team. And with the other team as well, there's been what we would usually call silos, hmm. you know, directors coming together and having their own silos and wanting to or needing to identify more broadly. Yeah. What was I going to say? Something about, there was something here. About yes. Me. Yes. Highest common denominator. Oh, yes. yes. So Mark talked about a general principle that he, <clears throat> he uses when working is to, yes, help people identify with a larger identity, I guess, eh? Mm -hmm, Larger mm -hmm, self. mm -hmm. So if it was like liberal and conservative politicians, it might be to identify as citizens of that country or that province, Mm -hmm. yes? Mm -hmm. Or as individuals who are helping to make a government function well, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah? I did a workshop once with Robert Keegan, Mm -hmm. who is a Harvard psychologist who's done a lot of work with mapping levels of consciousness and consciousness development. In fact, he almost single-handedly in a systematic way created the field of adult psychological development. Yes. Very good. Impressive. Mm -hmm. Yes. I wrote an article actually after the workshop, Mm -hmm. which I can post on our RiffCast. Okay, do that. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, and and I was thinking about him when Mark Gerzon was speaking because one of the things 
Robert Keegan's managed to do is to map out these levels of consciousness development in adults. Mm-hmm. And what he was speaking about is that there are these higher levels of consciousness that are akin to the Martin Luther King level or the Gandhi level. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm I'm just thinking now about Ab- Abram Maslow. And I think when he spoke about self-actualization, you know, the top part of that pyramid, mm-hmm. I think he was also referring to something similar. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But what you are suggesting, which is akin to Maslow too, is that we're on a self-development path through our whole lives, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, psychological development was first looked at in children. Piaget, for example, was the most famous. And Vygotsky, I think there's a Russian guy, similar, mm-hmm. some name like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the adult development field has been more recently developed. And the thing about uh, Keegan that I find really amazing is this statement he's made that conflict is a challenge to our pretense of completeness, right? And this relates to what Mark was saying. To me, what Keegan says is that we have a sense of ourselves as being whole and complete, but conflict comes along and shows us that we're not. And in Mark's sense, it's the requirement or the challenge to expand the identity to something that's larger and identify with I guess more people's often, right, with different perspectives, bigger responsibility, mm-hmm. bigger awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also, when we were talking about this, brought in um, a really, um, or a writer who's been very influential to me and I really love, was Robert Lifton, a psychiatrist who taught at New York University. He's written a book called The Protean Self. So he talks about the modern age being a challenge to the self and tending to fragment the self, right? And how the self has to become adaptable and more flexible. Right. Well, and I was curious about that when yeah. you and uh, Mark spoke briefly about Lifton's book. Mm-hmm. And could you expand a little bit more about what the protean self is supposed to be? Yeah. So protean refers to protozoa, right? And in general, he's talking about because one-celled animals have a flexible w- cell what is it wall i think so cell membrane membrane cell, mm-hmm. cell membrane mm-hmm. and so if yourself is what i think what lifton is saying is if yourself is not developed it tends to have a brittle quality to it so when it's challenged in some way like in a conflict then you tend to sort of crack or break and you and you get traumatized right perhaps whereas if yourself is more dynamic malleable and has a capacity to change he's suggesting that mo- the modern well not modern because we're kind of in post-modern or post-postmodern, but the times in which we live are very demanding to the self. And it, it can't be assumed that you can sustain a sort of a constant kind of identity he speaks about through the course of life that you will actually have to modify and change your identity based on the challenges of life these days. Hmm. Mark, when we interviewed him, was talking about an enlarging identity, but Lifton is also adding the idea of a more malleable identity. And there is someone in, in the U.S. who has written about the protean negotiator, and I'm sure that's what that perspective is. I haven't read the work, but I've seen it come across on the internet. Interesting. Yeah. So you're saying Mark was speaking about expansion and Lifton is speaking about uh, flexibility. Yeah, adaptability. Adaptability. Changeability. Permeability. Not permeability. No, no, no. Not so much. Rather than permeability, more like Uh, adaptable yeah being able to you know like an amoeba yeah if you imagine throwing a rock at an amoeba it doesn't bounce off it would just go into it a bit right and then the amoeba would push it out again okay right so i'm just curious so that's that kind of flexible yeah yeah vision and expanding vision i'm thinking about keegan Mm -hmm. and his idea of 
a developmental Mm-hmm. identity right I mean, that, identity. that it's not like the pro the uh, amoeba is kind of changing with influence influences but yeah but you're talking about now it's not just that you can observe this thing changing but it, the thing is actually growing and it's growing through identifiable different stages and steps right yes yes, yes. And, and the other thing about that is keegan talked about each stage or step uh incorporates the previous one right almost like an acorn that then grows and grows but it keeps the things that it's learned from the previous steps yeah and that's uh, also consistent with indian hindu if you like notions of expanded consciousness that higher states of consciousness always include the previous one so yeah really yeah that's really interesting So I don't know. I'm just playing with those ideas and Mm. those different images and just wondering if they fit together in some way. Expansion, uh, malleability or flexibility and developmental trajectory. Yeah, I think they absolutely all do. And I think on a 30 minute riff cast, we're going to have a great deal of difficulty (laughs) capturing how they all fit together. But at least we've thrown the ideas out there. (laughs) Listeners could do that. (laughs) Okay, that's a good idea. Hey, if you have some insight on what the links are, could you please comment on our website on Conflict Podcast? Yeah, because Gordon seems to think if we had more time, we would come up with the uh, links. I'm not so sure. I think we need to throw it out there. Well, it depends what you mean by time. I'm, I'm talking like three years, right? Uh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> three years, yes. And some consciousness-enhancing substances, perhaps. Maybe. You can or say activity, that. anyway. Activity. Yeah. I wonder what is a consciousness-enhancing activity. Give me an example. You should know. You're, you're busy. <laughs> yeah, why should I know? Because you're busy about three or four nights a week doing various developmental activities oh that's true you know though i need to go back to keegan because i thought i remember that keegan was basically like it is very hard to shift consciousness nearly impossible like you i I could be wrong we could get a a blasting email from robert keegan about this but that it's really hard and i kind of after i did that workshop i felt a little defeatist like i want to be gandhi you know like i want to zip up that Hmm. developmental trajectory it's a lot of work i think now, do you have any tips? <laughs> you're really putting me on the spot. I know, but you're very wise. <laughs> and you've done a lot of consciousness raising activities in depth. Unlike me, I tend to like skip. <laughs> well, I had, I had a major episode when I was younger. Yeah, A major episode of consciousness raising? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was or, a long term episode. Years. It was. Are we getting off topic? We are. I thought that was the point. <laughs> We're riffing. Okay, Gordon's putting a boundary up, folks. All right. If you're curious about we what have to talk about the polls. Is, I know. The polls. Yeah. Not the Ukrainians. No. The polls. <laughs> I can say that because I'm Ukrainian. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the polls. We're we're letting that whole thing drop. I thought it was really interesting, but we are going to refocus. Yeah. Okay, so the polls. This is something that Markers on mentioned when he's he working did. with groups. That's right, because when, mm-hmm. when, when we asked him, well, okay, you've been talking about identity. What actually happens when you get in the room with people? What mm-hmm. do you actually do to help mm-hmm. them build a bigger identity? Mm-hmm. So he did talk about a couple of practical sides to that. He did. He did. And the polls were one of them. Okay. Not the Ukrainians. No. The polls. The polls. Yeah. I can say that, but I'm not so sure you can. Yeah. Do you have any Ukrainian blood in you? No. Okay. It's too bad. So... Yeah. He said yeah. that if you could hold a space for the people that were the most polar opposite, 
So, for example, if it was a political group, the most right-leaning and the most Mm left-leaning, if you could find a way for them to connect and be there in the group, Mm -hmm. then in general, that would enable you to hold space for everyone else who was Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So that's what he meant by the poles, the polar opposites, right? Yeah, and if if they felt like they were part of that group, right, that you would know that you would be able to incorporate the other nuanced perspectives in between those two extremes. Yes. Yeah. There was another thing I really liked about that example that he used that I want to highlight or draw some attention to, which is he said that he did connect with people who were more in the middle, as it were, Mm -hmm. to find the people on the extremities, to bring them into the groups. I mean, he would help the people who were off-center in a certain direction to help the pull people in that direction kind of thing? No, just in terms of how he would, con- it was a very short kind of quick I comment. Don't, I don't recall the scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't got my notes in front of me about what he actually said, but it was some comment about when he brought people together, mm-hmm. he would find the people who had more extreme perspectives mm-hmm. by speaking with the people that were a bit more transpartisan. I think he might have used that phrase. Oh, you mean ask, ask some people who are more in the middle who the people, the out layers are kind of or the, yes the poles that's right so it was just a way for us to understand how to gather those uh, more disparate oh, perspectives right how to identify them so how to can, identify so them. you can work with them so you could work with them right just ask well uh, yeah ask the right people ask the right people yeah. yeah and i think that's an important principle yeah. that we're working on in a certain project we're doing right mm-hmm. now too yeah it is yeah right yes it is cool cool also identities significant there too right mm-hmm. because the community we're working with came together with Different identities, mm-hmm. very, very strong identities, mm-hmm. and and uh, so it's a struggle to find a coherent new identity, right? Yeah, one that works for everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting project that we're working on in terms of communities building mm-hmm. new identities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so uh, I think we can move on to this other idea that struck us around. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to speak about it? Uh, yeah, so the idea is here, thinking on my feet, trying to get the idea by looking at Julia's notes here. Um, well, that we have, uh, oh yeah, it's the notion of conservative and, lib- and liberal. They both play a really important role in society. He used the example of a car, right? Like if you were left-leaning politically, you might wish the right-leaning people would fade away. Mm-hmm. To use a Pete Townsend expression. And if you were a right-leaning person, you might wish the left-leaning group would fade away. Mm-hmm. But Mark was saying that would be a grave mistake mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they balance each other. You wouldn't buy a car with an accelerator and not a brake, and you wouldn't buy a car with a brake and without an accelerator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I haven't made it concrete enough. Do you want to take over? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was another piece about um, the body. I think he said he would ask people in workshops whether their bodies were conservative or liberal or, you know, Democrat or Republican. Oh, that's right. Is your body conservative or liberal? And then yeah. people would tend to respond by what their political affiliation was, yeah. being confused by the body part of the yeah. question. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he would point out that our bodies are conservative by nature in that the temperature that we need to hold our bodies to needs to be pretty narrowly confined yeah Mm -hmm. 98.6 plus a degree plus or above is okay more than that and you're sick and then yeah too too much further and you die yeah 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 and that's the brake component of the car metaphor right whereas the accelerant 
part of the metaphor is that our bodies are also very progressive and growth-oriented in that they change so much from being a baby to our older age. And just grounding that metaphor, I think the temperature one was one that I think resonated for both of us. And I think one piece for me, I was thinking about that we need to heat things up. We need courage Mm -hmm. to assert Mm-hmm. and possibly to ask questions and then to cool things down. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something? I was just going to say we're moving into a different metaphor that he was talking about. Temperature? Yeah, we're, you're moving into the cooking metaphor, aren't you? Oh, you're right. I am moving into yeah. the cooking metaphor. Yeah. Shall I explain the cooking metaphor? Not yet. Maybe let's just back up and make sure there's nothing else to say about the body temperature mm-hmm. as opposed to the food temperature. Okay. <laughs> anything uh, else? I was interested in what I see as a challenge we have, Mm -hmm. or a fact, if Mm -hmm. you like, Mm -hmm. which is that a lot of the ideas that we've presented in the podcast probably are more, are left of center, I guess. And uh, we've been talking about this. How do we, how do we bridge the gap more, right? And connect more with people who are more politically on the right, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I just want to put that challenge out there to whoever's listening too, because I know we've gotten some feedback recently from well, one person in particular wondering if we could expand our Mm -hmm. political guests. Yeah, we've certainly talked about um, bringing someone on, a politician from the right, eh? We've talked about yes. that. But, yeah, but hasn't that's, happened. Yeah, it hasn't happened. And they're different. That's another thing beside a sort of general spectrum of guests, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm, I am really interested in who on the right would be interested in the topic of conflict engagement, constructive conflict engagement. Mm. You know, I think of people maybe like Colin Powell. Mm. You know, there are certain soldiers who Mm. have Mm. been through the trenches that come to want conflict, if you want to call it resolution, because of the horrors of war that they've seen. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I put it out there. If somebody has a connection with somebody, Mm. let Mm -hmm. us know. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I guess the other piece around the body temperature, one of the reasons I like that analogy that our body is both conservative and liberal, is it's just a grounding, it's a grounding for me to remember how vitally important both perspectives are, or a multitude of perspectives are. And I really love that Hindu story about the blind men and the elephant. The elephant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which I first heard about at the JI. You did, yeah. Yeah, probably. At the Justice Institute of BC, where yeah. Gordon and I are both on faculty, actually, at the Center for Conflict Resolution yeah. and the Center for Leadership. Yeah. Most of you will know this analogy, but it's Bunch of bunch of blind guys who or people who go up approach an elephant and they mm-hmm. reach out and touch it and then you know so William says oh the elephant's long and hairy oh the elephant's got beautiful smooth skin oh the elephant's got really rough parts on his body or the oh he's got a really hard right which that person is feeling the toenail right so mm-hmm. they're all feeling different parts of the elephant mm-hmm. right? and and fall fall amongst themselves fighting over yeah. which of them has the truth of what an elephant <laughs> truly is yeah yeah and i always come back to that because for me it's a reminder or a teacher that we need all those components to truly understand the bigger picture mm-hmm. and i think with the body temperature analogy conservative our bodies being conservative and liberal it's just for me a nice immediate grounding that a different perspective Mm. is important Mm -hmm. i sometimes tell my clients that they need the stories of the people they're in conflict with in order to resolve the challenge they have (laughs) nice 
Okay. Okay. So now to the food analogy. Food analogy. Do you want to tell the story of what Uh, that is? I'll start out. You start out. If I can remember remember it. I can. Yeah. So the idea is Mm -hmm. that when you have a meal, Mm -hmm. the temperature that's been applied to the food is significant. Maybe critical, right? Mm -hmm. If it's too high, the food will get burned. Mm -hmm. If it's not enough heat, then it doesn't get cooked. Mm -hmm. And if we relate to this to conflict, if conflict is too high, then we get hurt in it or Mm -hmm. damaged. Burnt. Burnt. We get burned. Yeah, we get burned. And it's difficult to make progress. Mm -hmm. If there's not enough openness, not enough warmth, not enough challenge, assertiveness, then the idea, people are not, well, the consequence is that people are not expressing their views for one thing, right? Mm-hmm. They're not. Well, and, and, and the problems that don't get resolved, they yeah, go they underground. Get, that's right. Yeah. Passive aggressive, people leave. Yeah. 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 Of course, the analogy falls down if you follow a raw food diet. Yeah, well, we're not talking about that. Though. We're not, though. All yeah. analogies break down if you push them too far. Right. right. I just thought of it. Yeah, you would. We had we had a great thing going. We still do. We just looked over there. We saw the pretense of the completeness to wholeness. And now we're back. We're back to this analogy of cooking. Yeah. And so I think I was saying this earlier, but I was thinking about his analogy and thinking about how to heat things up and that the piece around having the courage to share with somebody what's going on with myself. Mm-hmm. And or ask questions about what's going on with that other person has a way of increasing the heat. Warms it up. Warms it up. Yeah, warms it up. The warmth kind of implies something nice and cozy. Mm -hmm. I like heating it up because there's still an edge about that. It's like I have to pay attention because I don't want it to heat up too much. Okay, I can accept that. (laughs) I can. Good. Well, (laughs) you can keep warm. I'm just saying for me. And... Another way to think about what heats it up is, I think, disclosure, right? More disclosure by... About yourself. Yeah. Yeah. More of what's going on for you, right? Yeah. Because a lot of things, we're holding things back, right? Yes. When, am I actually going to talk about this? Yes. Or not, right? Yes. And when we talk about this, then it will often tend to heat things up a bit, right? What do you think helps people talk about themselves? What helps to keep it more productive or constructive, you mean? Or even just talk. I am oh, because of the anxiety yeah. or the courage required to do it? Yeah, is that what it is? Courage? I think it's part of it, often. Yeah. What, what, what helps? Yeah, like how do you manufacture courage? How do you find courage? Do you just decide, I'm going to be courageous? I'm quiet because it's a good question. Mm-hmm. I know. Brene Brown would be able to comment on that. Probably, yeah. Yes. I keep hoping. Mm-hmm. Season two. <laughs> Brene Brown, come answer uh, that question. Well, I don't know that this is a very good answer, but it's what I'm thinking of is that what I notice, and I had it happen even in the last couple of days, when mm-hmm. I'm having a difficult conversation, mm-hmm. I will notice something the other person has said, and I will have a response to that, but I won't be sure about whether... I will say anything and I will be aware that it could lead to a reaction. Right. But I will get this intuitive sense that yes, it would be good to go ahead with this. Hmm. And then I do. So I guess the point I'm raising is part of the courage to me is listening to the quiet voices inside Hmm. that may provide guidance. Cool. 
Yeah. And I think another thing that can give you the courage is if you've been through a difficult conversation and it's worked out, it's got to a better place Mm. from the courage that you've taken. Mm. In that particular dyadic relationship. Possibly, or could be in any dyadic relationship. In any Yeah, it works out somewhere and then so you build your your courage to do it again, right? Yeah. Actually, I find that almost in personality types. You know, there's some people I meet in my work who are just they just seem to me to be fearless. They go ahead and they say the things that (laughs) that need to be said, you know, and sometimes they don't say it very well. And that's the part that can backfire. But the times where I see people really be courageous, what I'm labeling as courageous and do it in a way that seems to land, Mm -hmm. there's discomfort. Yeah. But somehow it's so vitally important to do that heating up. Mm -hmm. Do you want to flip to the cooling down part? Like the cooling down I was thinking about too, continuing with that cooking. Well, Mark said, and I think it's true that we have more in society, I think there's more general understanding about it being too hot, right? When the conflict is heated up too much, people can relate to that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even what's required to bring it down, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, I think what we've been talking about up to now, the being too cool and bringing it up is more an elusive conversation. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I think we did an okay job with about that. Talking about how to uh, Warm it bring, up. bring it up? Heat it up. Heat, heat, it? heat right. Not warm. Heat. <laughs> heat. Yeah. Heat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and I was thinking about uh, the way Mark said he sometimes, and, you know, his hand gestures, because we, we Skype with our guests. Right. And so, so we, can see, we can see each other when we're talking. We don't record the video or yeah. audio. Video? Video. We don't record the video. We don't record the video. Yeah. yeah. But it really enhances. Do we record the audio? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But, and sometimes we're in studio. So that's even more multisensorial. Um, but let's back it up. I loved when when we were seeing Mark with his hands that looked like they were on two knobs. Yes. Or maybe it was one knob. But he was talking about uh, the sense of when he's in his work, he can see himself turning up the heat, right. lowering the heat, turning up the heat, right. lowering the heat. Yeah. And um, the lowering the heat, just a few things for me I was thinking about is, um, you know, empathy can really cool things down mm-hmm. <clears throat> as well as just taking a pause can cool things down. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited about carrying that metaphor of heat and mm. coolant mm. out into our work and to see if that helps mm. somehow be more to be more mindful in, mm. in situ hey mm-hmm. i think it might be helpful you know to like say working with a team or something to actually talk about that ahead of time mm. you know that there's an mm. optimum level of conflict for making progress right yeah, I love that because there's an yeah. optimum level of conflict. Conflict for, expression, I should say. Expression. Yeah, yeah, for innovation. Right. Right. Exactly. That was Linda Hill, a, a, yes. a abrasive, I forget what she called. Yeah. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. No. But any of you who are interested in the relationship between innovation and conflict, Linda Hill at Harvard studied this in uh, high, te- high tech environment, yeah. Yeah. mostly, I think. Yeah. Hey, but it's probably applicable elsewhere yeah yeah and she's got a great ted talk yeah. actually if you google linda hill mm. i guess we can put it down on the resource mm. page too yeah? yeah in any event yeah so is there anything else you had made a note about keegan and lifton we've talked about both of them was there anything else you wanted to say about that before we start to wrap uh yeah just we thought it might be interesting to provide the academic lineage <laughs> right mm-hmm. um because Mark, yeah, he told us that he had worked with Robert Lifton, right? Which mm-hmm. was, yeah. Mentor, I think he said mentored Man, by. That's right. I mm-hmm. was very envious. Anyway, so yes, because the first in this lineage that we know about is Eric Erickson, mm-hmm. I guess, who was mm-hmm. the fir- may have been the first kind of academic to talk about adult psychological development. Mm-hmm. 
and um, Lifton, I don't know if he was one of, if Lifton was a grad student of his, but anyway, I know, I know from other things I've read, they had a connection. It was very influential to Lifton. And then um, Mark says that Lifton influenced Robert Keegan, mm-hmm. who is recently retired, I think. I'm not oh, sure. I'm he? not sure. Or if Could not, be. he's senior at Harvard right. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. like some of us do, he moved from more working with individuals to mm-hmm. working with larger sets of people. Because right? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's written a book on organizational development called The Everyone Culture. I'm looking up at my bookshelf to see if I can see mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. The Everyone Culture, which I highly recommend for anyone who's interested in organizational life. Yeah, that's... It's Ke- Keegan. Keegan. K-E-G-A-N. Yeah. K-E. Excuse me. <laughs> doesn't help if you use the wrong letter, does it? No. K-E-G-A-N. I'll let Julia do the spelling. Yeah, well, Shanna, our intrepid podcast producer, will also no doubt have a link to that book, yeah, possibly. I, I, have see, I now can see the book. It is definitely called An Everyone Culture. Yep. An Everyone Culture. An Everyone? A-N? And everyone. And everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Culture, which is so great place to start to wrap because it's so in keeping, I think, with the theme that we experience with Mark, which is expanding identity. Mm -hmm. And even in this title, and everyone culture Mm -hmm. expands the identity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to say, I found what I did find inspiring was Mark's belief that he could share his vision about an expanded identity with others and that they perhaps could be influenced and pulled up to that higher vision, to that broader expanded vision. Mm-hmm. I found that hopeful and inspiring. Mm-hmm. Are we good? So maybe we can do that at the end here. We'll expand our vision that we're part of this collective community of people who are interested in conflict as a transformational experience, as a consciousness raising experience. Yeah. And we're standing in it together mm-hmm. for a better world and a better individual journey through it Mm -hmm. sounds great all right yeah i'm going to do something we haven't done before (laughs) next week you will hear our interview with michelle lebaron yes you will that is edgy and her work is to do a lot with cross-cultural conflict is that right some of her work i find her incredibly diverse so i'm I'm actually quite curious what she's up to these days what's catching her interest Mm. She sent us things to read, which we need to look at between now and then. That's very true. (laughs) It's more work. We need to get done. Okay. Enjoy your week. Yep. Very much. Hope you enjoy this Rivcast. Bye for now. Take care. If you love this episode of On Conflict, then help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And you can spread these big ideas too by sharing on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you show up online. Want to know more about us? Check out our website on conflictpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now, go make the world a better place.